Yeah. So it's just a bit of an organic process. Would you say like the experiences that you had added to that decision to wanting to be a prep teacher? Yeah. A teacher? Yeah, they definitely added to it. Um, but yeah, I would just say it was just an overall combination of, of my, yeah, of my experiences that, that led me there. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, is it, was it three years for the bachelor? No, it's a four-year degree. Four-year degree. Yeah, I did a double degree in early childhood and um, primary teaching. Um, I think I, th- I thought, I mean, at the time I always wanted to be a kindergarten teacher and I thought if I did primary teaching as well, um, it would give me an opportunity to know where the kids were going once they'd left kindergarten. Mm. So I'd be able to kind of um, connect with them on a different level, I guess, or, or really genuinely engage with them about about the years that they would have following kindergarten so mm. there was just a bit of extra support for them as they transition into that next period of their lives yeah for sure yeah so now you've been uh, how long have you been a prep teacher for now has it been a year a few years since you've graduated um I, well i graduated in 2015 and i've been teaching for two this is my second year of teaching okay um and i've been in prep both years so yeah yeah Two out of two. Yeah, for sure. And what are the age groups for prep kids? Um, they normally start between four and six years old. Most of them are five when they start. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a there's a I can't remember the exact cutoff, but there's a cutoff um date that their birthday has to be before. Yeah. <laughs> I think. Um, so that they're not too young when they start. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And what's the like? The size of the the class that you'd be teaching, how many students do you generally have in a in a prep class? Um, I think the ratio is one teacher to twenty one kids. Um, we have a little bit more at our school. Um, I have twenty seven children in my class. Um, but we have they've employed some part time teachers to combat the growing class sizes, so that we're still maintaining those ratios. Um. Yeah, it's quite a lot for a prep classroom, but um, but yeah, like I said, we've got the extra teachers a few days a week, and they kind of pull out some small groups and do some extra focus work. So yeah, so relieve some of the the load, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, how does it go, like managing, say that twenty plus students? Like, you know, I mean, I couldn't imagine looking after twenty one four to six year olds all day five days a week all year like there's a lot of it's a lot of time you're spending with them so yeah I mean if things are going a little bit kind of like you know the kids are very overly excited just coming from recess or something like how do you calm down the class to get their attention to you know get on with some of the, mm. the programs and the lessons well there's a lot of different um things that we use I guess I'm very fortunate to be in an open plan classroom which means there's another teacher in there always with me or most of the time okay um so you know if there are um it means we can kind of sometimes rely on each other a little bit for assistance as well if there is if there is a need for it um we after lunch we always do a bit of like mindfulness or relaxation which is really nice especially in the junior years um you know at the start of the year they've they've come from an environment where they might still be having like rest time halfway through the day or some kids might even still be sleeping you know so at the start of the year especially, it's really lovely and, and they often have, like, some of them will fall asleep after lunch if we do a bit of relaxation. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's a really nice way just to kind of reset, um, especially 
also especially during the summer months. So as the weather's started to heat up recently, we do a lot of rest. You know, they come in from, you know, 35 degrees outside yeah. and we've got the air con on, we turn the lights off and they just kind of chill for, you know, 10, 15 minutes. We might just, we might play a guided meditation or we might um, just have some music and they might rest. We might just do silent reading or yeah. quiet writing or something like that so they can just kind of get back in the zone of being, um, of, yeah, getting back in the zone of learning. Um, or we might do like, you know, show and tell straight after lunch or recess or, um, yeah. So during those transition times, we will often try and find maybe a bit of a, um, an activity that might, yeah, just kind of like break up the day a little bit. Um, but yeah, in terms of, of, I guess if, if there's a bit of a challenge happening in the classroom or, or everyone's a bit chaotic, sometimes that happens. Um, yeah, I think just we just try lots of different things. We might do songs. We might take them outside for a run if everything's getting a bit, yeah. um, you know, restless or, or something like that. Um, do songs, like just lots of different, yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, a lot of tools that you lot of, Yeah, a lot of little tools and, did yeah. you Did you learn a lot of this stuff during your years at university or have you picked up things over the last couple of years of being actually in the field working? Um, I think it's a bit of both. Like you definitely learn like you learn specific strategies and you learn um, obviously tools and theories as to why they work and stuff at uni. Um, and then when you're on placement rounds, you get to have a go at putting those things into practice. Um, and and you also then get to observe teachers who have been teachers for yeah. years um, use other strategies. So you kind of are constantly absorbing all of this information and, and having opportunities to, to apply it in different settings. Okay. Um, and I think also like some, you know, there's a lot of patience <laughs> that is required. Yeah. Um, so those kind of person, like um, personality traits, I guess, that, that you kind of need to have as a teacher, I, th- I think most teachers kind of just have those as well. So, um, yeah, I think there would be an element of it that, that is you know, that's just there, mm, <laughs> the sure. patience. Yeah, yeah. Although, you know, sometimes it's really hard to to keep patient. Yeah, <laughs> it must be. But, you know, yeah, yeah it's there to an extent. Um, so you mentioned before that sometimes the kids will do, like, mindfulness or, like, a form of meditation after, like, you know, they've come in from lunch. Yeah. Now, I find that pretty fascinating because, obviously, I don't think mindfulness and meditation has been using schools but has it been around for a while do you know yeah it's a it's quite a big thing like well-being you know well-being and mindfulness is yeah it's quite big actually yeah. in schools or in the school you know definitely the school that i've been in and other ones that that are in our network i think that um yeah it's very widely used like yeah. one of my placement schools um the pe teacher did meditation every pe lesson at the start of his really? lesson um yeah, which at the, at the time I kind of thought, oh, that's odd because you're kind of relaxing them before they have to exert energy in a, in a physical um, activity. But, yeah, it worked really well to focus them and, and get them kind of, yeah, in the zone. Um, I mean, in, it would be really – it would be ideal to be able to do it um, on a needs basis. So if you had a child who who identified a need within themselves to just remove themselves from, you know, the learning task or, or their – 
table of kids for five minutes and just go and refocus or do a quick little like colouring in or write a quick little journal or whatever that Mm. would be the ideal way to do it I think Um, in the junior years or in prep I think it's a lot harder obviously for them they might not be at a stage where they can regulate like they can identify that need within themselves um, and also because our classroom is open plan mm. it's it's a bit hard for them to find you know a quiet like a, a place that they can go to mm. to address that that need um, and we can't we also can't let them go like leave the classroom because there's no supervision so um, yeah, it definitely is is implemented in a lot of schools, um, and I think they all do it differently. Yeah. And yeah, it's really cool, actually. Do you notice like the effect that it has on your on your students? Yeah, definitely. We um and we often have discussions about it afterwards. Like we might reflect on how it made them feel, or you know, we if if it's a meditation, or you know, it might be a, a one that we just find on YouTube, or it might be one that we talk to them talk them through. Um, and you might, you know, get them to kind of think about all of the good things that have happened that day or kind of have a moment to like let go of any, um, you know, issues that have arisen throughout the day. So it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a real chance for them to kind of identify, um, how they're feeling and how that, that process has, has made them feel better. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And there are programs as well that are implemented, like you can, kind of buy programs or pay you know companies to um give you kind of the resources to implement um these things as well which we we did one of those um this year yeah this year and it was awesome like you could you noticed a huge change in the kids yeah for sure um it must be quite you know interesting seeing say all these children I mean you mentioned that you're in an open plan classroom so you might have 40 plus children in in the one big room at once yeah um I mean a lot of these children must come from have different you know family backgrounds and you know learning speeds for instance or temperaments like do you really notice that in the individual like the say the different family background they've come from or you know the way they learn there's a lot of individual ways children are learning yeah definitely um yeah, in relation to their learning, um, I would definitely take notes sometimes. Um, yeah, and there's lots of different ways to manage that. So you might do different groupings or, you know, you have to differentiate the lessons that, that, you've, that you're teaching or the, um, you know, the outcome that you're hoping for them to achieve. They might all be achieving it in a different way, mm. you know, or groups of them would be achieving it in a different way because they can't all um, maybe access the same the same learning activity Mm. um in prep you know I've I've only taught in prep but I've done teaching rounds in other years but in prep I think um there's a really uh, we have a huge gap in our year like a huge difference of of abilities in our in our class this year um and oh sorry (laughs) I just forgot what I was up to just the learning abilities yeah um yeah, and we can kind of group it differently. So we might, you know, we might you could either group them all with the same same kids who are on the same level or you might mix up the groups. So I often mix up the groups if we're doing, like, a maths game. Like, I'll pair a child who really, really gets it with a kid who might still be kind of struggling to pick up the rules or, mm. or not quite know how to, you know, 
do the like counting on or whatever mm. so then you know those those kids who are kind of achieving a little bit higher they they can be like my little mini teachers yeah, yeah. a little bit you know and then I have the, the freedom to kind of walk around and, and do a bit of assessment as well um yeah it's definitely a really I, I find it a really big challenge differentiating for that many children and 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 you know it's it's different groups like some children might be really really high in in English but maybe not so high in math so it's not like just because they're high in one thing means that they're high across the board you've got to kind of keep in mind which kids are are doing you know are at different levels in different subjects as well um yeah Yeah, so it's definitely a challenge yeah. yeah there's a lot that you that you manage and oversee you know especially there's so many say elements to the one child but yeah so then you add that into a group of say 20 plus people yeah then you know it, you know hats off to you because i know when i was a student i didn't show much respect to my to my teachers and mm. i mean now i obviously know how hard and challenging it can be to be a teacher mm. um i see it completely different um do you find there are children in your class that even though they're still prep but do you find them that they know how to push your buttons or they've got a little bit of they're starting to learn those things a little bit and you can you can see in some individuals how you know they you know just how they operate like you know there must be very different ways in which they uh react to your you know your instructions or you know the things that you're giving out yeah well i think um you know just like an adult every child is different and and um yeah, and I guess there's different personalities and yeah. that's totally fine. Like in the – it's totally um, reasonable for there to be differences of opinion or, or different um, attitudes towards things. Like mm. that's completely fine. I think we just kind of try and focus on on, an, on having an understanding in our classroom. Like we have general expectations, yeah. um, which, you know, all of the children agree to and and we discuss them as a whole cohort, you know, at the start of the year and – and, you know, they have an input into that as well. So I think if we just keep that as, as the focus and we have that, that mutual respect for each other and the expectations are there that they have helped to create. So, mm. um, yeah, I think, yeah, like I said, it's totally fine for, for any children to kind of maybe have their day or for me to have my day, yeah. but we just kind of have to really focus on keeping within that... Um, yeah, that respectful classroom and the relationships that we have with each other and the way that we that we work with each other. For sure. Yeah. Do you find um, it's pretty exciting, you know, seeing the kids when they they learn how to spell a new word or they, you know, do a math problem, they see you can see a bit of a spark in their eye or you can see a bit of they've gotten over a bit of a hurdle. Like, how does that, you know, how does that feel to be a teacher and see that that it feels really lovely yeah (laughs) Yeah, it's really nice it's um and I think it's really noticeable in prep as well like they have so much growth you know some of them come in with you know very minimal you know kind of I guess classical academic you know understandings um and yeah you can really see it like throughout the year you could pick the week that different children kind of click and start to make these connections with um, you know, their literacy or their numeracy or even their social um, 
even the way they interact socially or or respond to situations or their resilience you know there's you just notice such a big improvement and it's really lovely when you do notice it because mm. you kind of and you try and really like hype like I well I do I always try and like really hype it up for them and I give them high fives I'm like oh my and you know I try and instill in them a sense of accomplishment so that it's kind of like they know that they that they are making that achievement and they've done it like all on their own you know they've they've really just um yeah they're just getting it and it's mm. awesome yeah, yeah it's a really it's a really probably the best feeling <laughs> yeah. it's really lovely so getting back to that size of the classroom and you know the the kind of environment that you're trying to like create um like how important is it creating like a good learning environment because I never thought about this as well like when I was a student like primary school or high school like what my room looked like or how the tables were set up but how important is that um it's pretty important I think um there yeah there's definitely a lot of thought that goes into it when I first started last year I didn't um I don't think I'd thought about it that much but um you know, the woman I was teaching with, she was, she's quite experienced and she was talking about what end we should have, like the, um, you know, the main kind of carpet area. And I was like, oh man, I hadn't even like thought about that before or the level of detail. Um, yeah, it's really important. Um, I try and make sure the children are involved in any displays that are going up in the classroom so that there's a bit of ownership. There's something that they can connect to. They can show their parents, you know, they can talk about, what part they created and what part they've learned about. And, you know, there's a real, um, yeah, there's a really genuine kind of connection there. Um, at the start of the year, obviously, the children haven't been in there yet, so they can't have created anything to, to contribute to the walls. But I guess there are other things to consider, like tables, um, table arrangements and, um, like, the basic kind of decorations, I guess. Like, I would always avoid putting, you know, red all over the walls for instance you know that's not a very calming environment um so I definitely consider the colors that I that I include um the tables I guess you know you always tend I I think you know mostly these days um you tend to put the tables in a little social arrangement so that they can have some kind of social interaction while they're working um, which also enforces their learning. You know, they can ask other kids at the table to have, for a bit of help or yeah. they can have conversations about, about different things and it can really contribute to their understandings. Obviously, then there are also situations where they just sit with all of their besties yeah, yeah. and they just talk, you know, chat the whole time, in which case I would swap them. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I think also, like, you know, it's all about what's new as well. So I... I often change the furniture around or we, you know, the people I teach with, we often change it like probably once a term we would change the furniture around. So the kids come in, you know, the next day and they're like, oh my God, the classroom's changed. Mm. Like, you know, and it's really exciting and, and there's probably a bit of, you know, I don't know, a new energy, a new zest for learning. Like if you change the furniture in your bedroom around, you kind of feel yeah, a bit refreshed, you know, sure. it just feels a bit, yeah, new and special. So yeah, it's, it is very important the way that you arrange a classroom and you've got to think about how they're going to learn best. You know, can they see the interactive whiteboard? Can they, is it going to be too noisy? You know, are there places that they can escape, you know, not so, like uh, escape to have their own own space? Yeah. You know, you kind of have to cater for different choices. We have 
clipboards for the kids that don't want to sit at a table and we have bean bags and different yeah. arrangements of things. Sounds so, like a good environment. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned like, you know, they'll, they'll put their like some of their work that they've done up on the walls and they can see it, you know, mm. during term. Does that um, influence their, their learning capabilities along, say, the term or the year because they can actually view some of the things they've already done? Yeah, so if it's... Um, I mean, some of the things we hang up to display, like just it's just a display of um, the children's work and it means the parents can see some of the things yeah. that they've been working on and, um, you know, and, and the kids get to look at it and be like, oh, that's the one that I did and talk about it and that kind of thing. Um, and then there's the kind of display, I guess, that the children help create um, that might be like a, a learning display. So, like, for instance, the other day we were learning about well, the other week we were learning about shapes and we, you know, we got out some big butcher's paper and we were talking about the difference between 2D shapes and 3D shapes. So we did this whole big poster on 2D shapes and the kids, you know, all came up with different 2D shapes and they came up to the butcher's paper and they did a drawing of it and they labelled it and we all worked together to, you know, work out the spelling and, um, you know, and they could independently write the words and, and all of that kind of thing. And then, you know, I did the 3D shapes one because it's a bit trickier. Um, but those two posters, like those two big butcher's papers, are up on our on one of our display boards. So, you know, then if the kids are, are doing a math session or they're doing writing and they're talking about, you know, like the word square comes up in their story yeah. or something, then that's, you know, that's a resource that they can use. They can look at it for spelling. They can... If it's an obscure shape, like, you know, a parallelogram, they can refer to that again and be like, oh, that's what it was called, you know. And they kind of, because they, they're the ones that have created it, they're more likely to refer to it. If I'd just done it, done a drawing of a thing when they weren't involved in it at all and mm. I just stuck it up one day, they would never look at it, like, there's ever. There's no relationship to no, it. No, there's no relationship. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it just creates a really good, a good connection and, um, yeah, yeah nice. I think it's good. Um, so now that you've been a you've been a teacher for say two years, do you ever think about like how you were taught at all, or does that influence your um, the ways that you teach people now? Like, you know, were you taught a specific way that it stood out to you that you've you've picked up now and you've realised, oh man, I really like that teacher in high school. I really enjoyed that class specifically because of that teacher. Like, is there any? Um, I think you know the teachers that I liked, I liked on a personal level, especially in high school, you know, that I liked them because we got on as, as humans. Yeah. Um, like, because I'm a primary school teacher, you know, that was a long time ago. I definitely had teachers that I liked, but I don't remember, mm. you know, I can't relate to their teaching experience, their teaching styles. Um, and teaching has changed so much since I was in primary school. Um that yeah, there's probably you know there's a few little things that I've I've tried to implement um, over you know through placements and and as I've been working that I might have had other teachers use on me, um, but yeah, I think mm. it's yeah it's just it's so different. Learning yeah. and teaching is so different now to yeah. what I remember. Um, so yeah, we got taught like how to teach at uni. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> so well, yeah. I mean, you mentioned that, you know, the teaching world has changed a lot since, you know, say we were in high school 15 years ago. 
one of those things is obviously say technology and having say like laptops or iPads in mm. the classroom. Um, is that sometimes, you know, is it both good and bad sometimes that there is that technology available? Like, um, I don't think so. I think as long as you implement it in a balanced way and, you know, we have, you know, we have agreements at schools that the kids have to sign at the start of the year and it's a, an agreement to like responsible use of ICT, which I think most schools would have. Um, so, yeah, there's a, there, has, there has to be like a real enforcement of obviously safety of, of the use of technology, but also on the teacher's part of things, I guess not relying on it too much. Like I, we use it, we could probably actually use it a little bit more um, but yeah, it's really important not to forget those fundamentals like handwriting or like, um, using concrete materials. Like, you know, there's, there's a basis of understanding that I think needs to happen alongside the use of technology, whether you're using it, you know, for a kind of interactive games or a handwriting thing, you know, but they can also be, yeah, they can be used in so many different ways. It can also be used as a as an accessibility tool, you know, for kids mm. who might not have the fine motor yet to do um, writing. You know, there's apps where you can trace your finger and make the letters, yeah. and there's different ways of playing. Like, you know, there's little kind of card games and stuff that you can play on there, and and again, it creates a bit of an excitement because it's on an iPad yeah, or it's on sure. a laptop or yeah. it's not using actual cards. So, anything I guess that you can use to engage kids is great yeah and there's also music like there's really cool apps for um specialist subjects as well like there's really cool music apps and um different things you can implement into art programs as well so yeah i think as as long as it's just implemented in a balanced way and there's an understanding of of the use of it and it's not um yeah taken advantage of then i think it's great and it's come a long way though like I used to think a computer room was was advanced. Yeah. You know, and now everyone has their own laptop or iPads. In yeah, the exactly. And I mean, it's such a fundamental um, aspect of society. You know, mm. it's not. It, it's probably at a point now where, by the time these kids are adults, they, you know, I don't think that they could make a choice to not have technology yeah. in their lives. You know, you can kind of get away with it now, but even now, it's like if you don't have a mobile phone, you know, or you don't have a computer, how, yeah, it's just, it does make things a lot more challenging. Yeah, yeah, you're right there. So does, would you say like, do you get any negative overflow from teaching into your life at all? Like are there any negative aspects to it? In the sense of just, I mean, it could be stress, working. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's not a job that you can leave at work. Yeah. For me, it's not. Um, yeah, I definitely bring home. I don't. I don't work at home. <laughs> yeah. I can't. Like I've never been able to work at home. I can't do like assignments at home. I can't. You know, I just won't do it at home. I'm not. I need to be like in the zone. So I don't bring work home with me in that sense, like in the physical sense. Um, but I definitely bring it home in the mental sense. So, you know, there are. There's such a wide array of children in my class um or in the school you know and there might be children that you have extra concerns for or extra you know or maybe one day they're kind of doing something a little bit differently and you start to ponder about it and you think about it and 
you know, so there's definitely a lot of worry that, um, yeah, I have for the students, you know, that I look after. And, you know, in saying that, I teach these kids every day for however many hours it is, like six, you know, six hours a day, maybe their school day is. Um, and you develop, like, such a strong relationship and bond with these children that it's just completely natural for you to be cons have concerns for them or, or think, you know, you might, you might be like, oh, God, like, I said that, you know, you might have said something that maybe could have been misinterpreted or mm. um, you worry, you just worry. <laughs> yeah. So I definitely, yeah, I definitely bring home worry and I bring home, you know, I think about lessons and I think about, you know, how we're addressing the curriculum and I think about their well-being um, and that often, I guess, kind of can eat into my energy as well. So sometimes I'll get home from a work day and I'll just feel, I'll just feel like I have nothing left to give, <laughs> which can be really challenging. Um, yeah, but it's, it's obviously like so rewarding at the same time to have those relationships with um, with that many yeah. children. <laughs> so with those days that can be harder, or those weeks, or you know the terms nearly up, and you've in the last few weeks of, of school, do you have any like uh, techniques or practices that you do when you are at home just to just to kind of relax yourself and you know have, do your own mindfulness or? Mm. Um, well, I always just I try and make sure I'm on top of the extra work like I'm on top of my actual workload as well so I always try and make sure you know my planning's up to date and I'm, I'm prepared for the week or the day so that way if I am having any extra um you know stresses or worries then I don't also have to be like oh god I haven't you know planned for next week yet you know so I try and eliminate as many other things as possible just by being super organized and you know mm doing meal prep and making sure, you know, I don't have to wake up and, you know, make lunch or something. Um, yeah, and I think just when I get home, if I, if I just do need alone time, just having that open communication and saying that I need to chill out. Yeah. <laughs> um, You've just been bombarded with kids all day and then yeah. you need your own space. Yeah. Um, do you... Would you say being organised and planning ahead takes off a lot of that load of the stress of the next week coming up? Is that's obviously a way you keep on top? Yeah, of your, definitely. Of your so if I anxiety? yeah, definitely. So if I go into work, you know, in the morning, I know I generally know, generally generally know what I'm doing, what I'll be teaching. Like the materials should already be like prepared for me, and yeah, so it definitely does relieve. A lot of stuff but sometimes obviously it all catches up to yeah. you um and in saying that like um your question before when you were talking about um you know bringing home work bringing work home with you i also do bring home like positives <laughs> with yeah, well, me as well that, that was the next question yeah so what are the <laughs> what are the positive you know effects that you get from being a teacher like what well do you love about it? yeah well it's just so rewarding like what i was talking about before when you kind of notice or the kids notice that they've started to make this huge improvement, or they're or they're they're understanding um, things. It's it's really exciting, you know. Like it's very exciting. And the age group that I teach, you know, they often come out with funny little, you know, one liners or something, which is adds a little bit of you know humor to the day. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I just have so much care for all of them that it's just like 
a warming feeling. You know, I bring home a lot of affection and warmth and um, and happiness. Mm. Yeah, it's really nice. And you know, I try and and because I enjoy it, you know, I try I try and make things really exciting and engaging. I try and come up with really fun things to do so that can, yeah, be something that I think about when I'm at home. Yeah. So you've done prep for two years? Yeah. Now, are you looking at wanting to maybe teach older, like, you know, you're looking forward to teaching older kids coming up? Yeah, I would like a change um, just, you know, for my own learning, you know, for my own professional development. It would be nice to kind of branch away from prep for a couple of years. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so yeah, we'll just have to see what happens next year and where I end up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I need to give my hats off to the teachers. Like I said before, I didn't give a lot of respect as I, when I was a student and a, a kid or a teenager, but an assumption I used to have, I remember thinking, oh man, teachers, you know, they get paid holidays, they <laughs> get, you know, all this leave and everything. And then, you know, like it actually dawned on me one day I was like yeah but look at actually all like what you said you bring the work home or you need to go in on the weekends to write yeah. reports and you earn those paid holidays you really do mm. like you are looking you know you're, you're trying to teach you're teaching the youth and plus you're having to manage all these children with different personalities different backgrounds and then go to parent teacher nights and deal with the family plus being influencing the community because you are in a in a, in a certain way so mm. I'd just like to say thank you <laughs> to you and all the teachers out there for doing such a good job thank you no worries <laughs> well thanks for having me yeah, letting me share a, that was a great conversation and I look forward to having you on again soon thanks me too